Joachim Meander wrote those words in the late 17th century. And I love the sparse clarity of the text. There's the whole story in four short lines. He, of course, was writing more than 1,600 years after the event we celebrate today. By the time he wrote this, the church was deep into all the traditions we love. The beautiful flowers, trumpets, singing, fancy hats, delicious brunch, all the ways we celebrate on this day, this news of resurrection, and the hope it gives us. Let the whole wide world rejoice indeed. But today's gospel story is a long way off from these traditions. Mark tells us that the women were seized with such terror and amazement that they couldn't even speak. They said nothing to anyone. They were too afraid to speak. They fled from the tomb without saying anything to one another or even to that messenger in the tomb. Let's revisit the story for a minute. And remember, these are spare words from Mark, the earliest of the gospel accounts. So the starkness of the language feels true. There's been no time for embellishment at all. When the Sabbath was over, that would be Saturday at sundown, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, that Sunday, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He's been raised. He is not here. But go and tell his disciples that Jesus has gone ahead and will meet you in Galilee. And they fled, for they were seized with fear and amazement. So they were doing the ritual. They were observing the traditions. They got up early to anoint the body that was buried so hastily on Friday afternoon before sundown. And no doubt they are grieving mightily, having witnessed the cruel and brutal murder of their friend and spiritual leader. But perhaps not surprised, the violence, cruelty, and disappointment is what the world looks like. For them, it was the power and inequality of the Roman Empire, the fear and betrayal of friends. For us, just this week, it is more mass shootings, anti-Asian racist violence, 
continuing anti-black racism, death and despair at the border. I grieved all over again this week seeing the photo of George Floyd's dying face. 2,000 years, it seems, has not done much to change anything. We certainly continue to find ways to harm one another. Our world, left to our own devices, gives us violence and death. So it's in this very real world that these three women awake that Sunday morning, and they want to do the things, as we do, to honor the dead as best we can. And for them, bringing the burial spices is a ritual of death, honoring the dead. So they carry on with the tradition and head out early in the morning for the tomb, wondering only about the practical question of how they will move the large stone they saw on Friday as it sealed up the cave with Jesus' body inside. I was very moved this week by a piece in the New York Times written by Esau Macaulay, who is a New Testament professor at Wheaton College. And he said about this particular story, Mark's version, he said, the women did not go to the tomb looking for hope. They were searching for a place to breathe. They wanted to be left alone in despair. I think that's right, because he was dead. That's what we do. We go to the tomb. But when they get there, they find something else, something so unlikely to their eyes and to our eyes that they flee in fear. The stone has already been rolled away. The linen burial wrappings are cast aside. And some unidentified young man in white tells them that Jesus is not there. He is risen, and he will meet them in Galilee, just as he had said. What? They are so frightened. Is it the news? Is it the sight of the empty tomb? Is it the strange messenger? And Mark just ends the story there. They were seized with terror and amazement, and they said nothing to anyone. They were so afraid. Scholars talk a lot about why the original Mark text ends there. Here's Macaulay again. He says, Mark's ending points to a truth that often gets lost in the celebration of Easter. He posits that Easter is a frightening prospect. For the women, the only thing more terrifying than a world with Jesus dead was one in which he was alive. The only thing more terrifying than a world with Jesus dead was the one in which he was alive. What about for us? 
is the prospect of Jesus alive actually more frightening than a world where death is certain and violence is power, but at least predictable? I wonder if our Easter trappings, beautiful as they are, are a way to avoid dealing with this truth. The underlying truth of this story that the love of God is real. That Christ is raised from the dead and love that love from before God spoke creation into being is the true reality. Reality is actually not violence and cruelty. That's us. That's us. What we hear and what we see in today's story is that grace and mercy Forgiveness and love are the essence of creation. The story isn't just about today. The story goes all the way back to creation. We hear Isaiah in the beautiful reading promising that the Lord will take off the shroud of all people, the disgrace of people he will take from the earth. This is our God. We have waited for him so that he would save us. The story is the whole story of God. And we heard this week about Jesus with his disciples. Jesus loved them to the end. Jesus loves us to the end. So for today, it's a love question. It's a love question. If Christ is risen from the dead, then all the promises God has made are true. We are beloved. We are forgiven. We are saved. And if we know that to be reality, if we are witnesses like Mary Magdalene and Mary and Salome to that empty tomb, to this news that love overcame death itself, how can we continue to live the way we do? With greed and pride, violence and inequality. On Thursday, Reverend Christopher talked about Jesus' last meal with his disciples. And at the end of the day, the message was simple. Jesus said, Love one another as I have loved you. That's it. It's a love question. Today we celebrate, in this brief time, that resurrection is real. God's love is real. God's power is real. This story is true. What does that mean for you, for me? 
for Trinity Church, for our country, for the world. Easter is a love question. Macaulay says again, the terrifying prospect of Easter is that God called these women, and I add each one of us, when we go out these doors to return to the same world that crucified Jesus, the same world that killed George Floyd, the same world where brothers and sisters in the wealthiest country in the world are hungry. We have to go back into that same world with this, he calls it a very dangerous gift. Hope. The gift of hope in the power of God. The gift of the unending reservoir of forgiveness and abundance of love. And he says, it would make them seem like fools. Who could believe such a thing? Maybe that's why they didn't say anything. He says, Christians at their best are the fools who dare believe in God's power to call dead things to life. So my friends, Easter is a love question. How will you go forth this day with that foolish, crazy, true hope into a world that will continue and wants to always tell a different story? How will you embody love for one another as Christ loves us? This news today, this Easter news, he is not here. He is risen. This reality of the power of love can change the world. And Jesus is ahead of us. As he promises over and over, follow this way, my way of love, and you will be whole. I go to prepare a place for you, and I will bring you with me. We are so scared to believe, so scared to love, so scared to follow. But Easter is the message. Easter is the revelation. People in the Bible were always asking Jesus for signs and for revelation. This is our revelation. We stand this morning looking into that empty tomb with Mary Magdalene and Mary and Salome. Someone mentioned at Bible study on Wednesday that they love Easter, but that it is hard to do Easter after Easter Day. It is. It is. That may have been the truest thing I heard all week. It is daunting to have to assess everything in light of this resurrection news. How you treat people, how you worship God, how you vote, what you say about other people, how willing you are to forgive, 
how you show compassion? What are you willing to sacrifice? But the promise of Easter is that love is the power in the world. God's love working in you and in me and in all of us together because of God's grace, because of Jesus' resurrection, gives us the power to live in that reality. He is risen. He is risen. Tell it out with joyful and humble and trembling voice. For love is true and calls each of us to new life, not just today, but every day. Amen. Mm-hmm.